Hey everybody, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Real Talk podcast. We hope that these discussions will inform and inspire you to engage in your own Real Talk. Today's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Trivan, builders of custom trucks, trailers, and enclosure buildings tailored to your needs. Be sure to check them out at www.trivan.com. A big thanks to them for making these conversations possible. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 61 of the Real Talk podcast. Today's episode is a Real Talk roundup, uh, number two of the Real Talk roundups. Uh, so that's an exciting day, exciting podcast ahead. Uh, we're going to be covering some interesting topics. And of course, as always, going through the last uh, three episodes that Tyler and myself have done. So on today's show, uh, Tyler is joining us. So uh, we are reunited back on, on the show, uh, of course, virtually. But uh, it's good to have you here, Ty. And then we also have Marty Vangeriel from uh, from Reform Perspective as a uh, part-time writer and assistant editor. And then, of course, we have the main man, the uh, the big cheese, John Dykstra, the uh, the editor uh, himself over at Reform Perspective. So you all know and love John. You heard him last time. And uh, he's got some thoughts. He's got some opinions. And it's going to be a fun show. So we're going to be covering, um, obviously, the climate change episode that I did. Uh, and then the Curtis episode. And then finally, we'll be talking about the creation versus evolution episode that Ty did. And then we have two other segment, segments after that. Marty will be talking about why are all the good-looking Canadians moving south, apparently, to quote Marty, and uh, and what that trend means and what uh, what's going on there. So that'll be an interesting segment coming up later in the show. And then John has um, some updates for us on the 52 and 52 uh, book reading challenge that he has been doing with a couple of his colleagues. So he'll be filling us in on all the great books he's been reading throughout 2022. So stay tuned for that later on in the show. So without further ado, uh, we will start with the climate change episode. I'll uh, I'll throw it over to Ty if he wants to uh, insult or slash critique me for uh, how that episode went. What were your, some of your thoughts there, Ty? Well, I was looking pretty hard for some uh, criticism there on this first one, but no, not uh, not too much. Uh, it was it was an interesting episode. I mean, probably a, a nice easy one for you to get going by yourself hosting because he was a a well spoken guy. So. Um, interestingly enough, I, I, uh, I found out that he was, you know, kind of sympathetic to the, uh, theistic evolution, uh, uh, view. So that's pretty interesting. Well, I guess we'll talk about that later, but, um, yeah, the, uh, one of the things that I, I found interesting was just the fundamental understanding of climate change. I didn't, you don't usually think about it. You usually think about it in terms of the climate, in terms of like how the, how the politicians are like the world's kind of framing things but to really think about it like at the fundamental um basis it's it's an argument argument about how to create and store energy which is yeah if you really think about it it's 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 like how efficiently can we do this and then what what's the best way that we can use this energy and if you really think about it like that you really it really puts it in perspective how much better we have it than everyone else so I thought that was uh, just kind of eye-opening in that, like, we're so worried about our little segment of the world and there's people burning wood and clay huts around the world. And like how, how little of a difference, you know, some of these things that we think we're doing actually are. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of nice, uh, like a, a good explanation at the beginning. And the, there was uh, one other thing 
he mentioned about uh, subduing the earth and uh, the kind of the dichotomy between um, having like a harmonious view of like living with the earth, right? Everyone wants to like, they almost put the earth in or the nature in a kind of a, a box with that is like becomes a God to you. Right. Um, and living in a harmonious relationship with it, as opposed to what we believe as Christians, we should be subduing the earth. So, but better understanding what subdue is not dominating, but, but kind of setting everything in its place and, and then um, using the earth responsibly. So yeah, not, I mean, not too much controversial about that opinion, but a couple of interesting things that I thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, I should mention the guest was Dr. Calvin Beisner. So if anyone wants to go look him up, I didn't want to say his name because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We'll, uh, we'll link it below. So if people want to go and look into some of his other work, they can do that as well. But I can see John is, is chomping at the bit there or champing at the bit rather. Uh, you have some thoughts, John. Yeah, I, I enjoyed going on a speaking tour with uh, Dr. Beisner a few years back for, for RP, and, and we had some fun chats. Um, the one, one area where he um, was speaking of how we should uh, make the world better than we got it. It was a, it was a very um, parable of the talents kind of thought. The Lord gives you this, and now go and make more of it. One thought I think Christians can also throw in there is we're not, we know that the world is coming to an end. And so there are certain trade-offs we're going to have to make. And so it's not, it shouldn't be beyond our thinking to think that there are parts of the world we might use up that essentially we might make the world worse. Oh, are we going to run out of oil? When I was growing up, that was a reason for um, all sorts of panic and all sorts of uh, government initiatives and restrictions. Uh, And then we found more. So, So it all was for naught. but even if it hadn't been, um, that wouldn't have been a reason to be uh, so panic stricken. Maybe that if you if you imagine that God's in control, we're not going to go out by being obedient to Him. We're not going to be harmed by following uh, and and um, making food affordable for poor people, things like that. So it it's a, it's kind of a contrast, but the the two go together. Okay, we're supposed to develop the earth that God's given us and make it better and improve on it. But there could be situations where, hey, you know what, the spotted owl is is not going to be around anymore because there are all these people in these huts who uh, need some uh, access to clean drinking water or something like that. Uh, so th- that was one one contrast with what he was saying. I wanted to pitch uh, just one thought: like, how do you how do we present this to people who disagree with us? So that's in Christian camp, and that's also. Uh, outside with the folks outside i'm thinking i I always wonder why with their million year time scale that they're not it was warmer it was colder by what standard is today's temperature the one that it has to be so i've never really understood that Have, have you guys ever encountered somebody with an answer to that who cares if it's going up two degrees it was way warmer a million years ago according to their scale yeah, even even uh, Dr. Beisner, he he mentioned that we're you know he in his timeline we were in some interglacial period or something too. So, um, I yeah, it's it's an impossible question if that's your time frame. It's a good question to ask though, John. Um, yeah, I wonder though. I guess it, it does. Uh, your view of the end times kind of play into that as well, and how you think the Earth is is going to to end up. 
because like to maybe push back a little bit on your point um, and maybe I'm misunderstanding you a bit. So I'll get some clarification there, but to like for the oil example, yes, we should use it responsibly. But if I understand you correctly, you're saying if we run out, we run out, say la vie, so be it. I, I would say that God has given us this earth and he's given us resources and like they're out there to your point, but we should be busy trying to use them responsibly and actively finding new technologies to, to find new ways to extract oil. Um, it, it, am I making sense there? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll, I'll give a, an example that takes it just outside of global warming, but the same, same thoughts with overpopulation. Uh, people were talking about how we we're going to run out of resources. So that was a reason then not to have kids. So it impacted fuel, oil as well. That was another reason not to have kids. And I'd say that the church's response to that would be uh, kind of what you just said. Well, okay, I guess we got to develop something new because the one thing we're not going to do is stop having kids. Oh, but you have to, because we're going to run out. No, that's not the answer. Maybe that's even a problem, but that's not the answer. So now let's go figure out a solution that doesn't involve disobeying God. Um, so yeah, we might use things up. We might leave the world but we might, hey, there was just a report this week that they're starting to figure this fusion thing out, which they've been saying for a while now. But if they do that, all our energy concerns are kind of seem to be done with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just I, that's a testament to God's creative hand in, in all of creation and that the, the resources are out there and he's given us the skills. It just takes us time to, to figure it out. So there's definitely some faith involved in that though, in terms of the, the example of children, for sure. We should flip it over to, uh, to Marty for a sec. Cause I know he's got a few things to say. <laughs> well, just to respond to what uh, John said, uh, I, I did find it interesting that uh, Dr. Beisner spoke about um, letting the free market uh, do its thing with regards to energy sources. Um, you know, rather he, he would, it sounds like uh, the Cornwall Alliance would be strongly in favor of uh government funding not being used in any way for promotion of solar or promotion of other alternative energy. And then interestingly, he used the phrase, um, when will we run out of, uh, of, of those kind of resources like uh, petroleum, like oil? He said first decades, and then he said generations. I thought, wow, that, that kind of puts it in perspective that uh, we've got a lot of, uh, with the new technology, with uh, fracking and so on, access to uh, to natural resources that as John said, we thought we would run out of. Um, now it looks like the, there's a, a pretty long runway before we would run out. And um, it, yeah, rather than waste government money on uh, on those kind of programs, let the free market do its thing. I thought that was kind of an, an interesting uh, perspective. Um, the other stat that he shared that I found fascinating was the fact that, and I'm not sure where the stat came from, but he said that uh, human deaths from natural catastrophes uh, have dropped 95% in the last hundred years, uh, largely due to uh, better building techniques, better technology, uh, safer places to live. Uh, what a dramatic uh, statistic that uh, um, that really is part of the creation mandate, living safely in a world that could be a dangerous place, but with uh, proper use of resources can be uh, that much more conducive to human life. No, 100%. Any other closing thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I was just wondering if I could pitch just uh, a couple books here and. Uh, this is Gordon Wilson's uh, Different Shade of Green. Uh, doesn't work so well with the lighting here, but A Different Shade of Green. Um, he is starting everything from a biblical standard, but uh, he would be maybe more conservative than I would be. And, and uh, I love him for it because basically he sees 
an appreciation. He opened me up to the appreciation for that spotted owl. I was just talking about, okay, I'm going to throw the spotted owl under the bus. Well, God made it. God made a wonder. And uh, at the same time as man is more important than the spotted owl, um, that spotted owl is not unimportant. So that was Gordon Wilson, uh, a different shade of green. And uh, in your Bjorn Lomborg came up in in the discussion and just a false alarm. Um, one of the more encouraging books. This guy believes all the the uh, UN reports and he takes them and he says, it's not that scary. It's not that bad. Stop worrying. Um, and we can do stuff. So I'm far more skeptical of those reports than he is. But he's uh, he's still uh, a nice calming influence. And just on RP itself, we just published seven biblical principles of environmental stewardship by uh, Levi Minderhund. Minderhound. I'm not saying that right, but people will figure it out. Um, and I had one uh, catastrophic global warming, uh, a, a brief biblical case for skepticism that uh, could be helpful. Okay, good stuff. Thanks, John. All right, moving on to the next episode we did. Uh, this was a fun one for me as a recovering political uh, junkie, talking to Ray Pennings uh, over at Cardis a think tank in Ottawa, kind of the only real major Christian think tank uh, in this country, at least. Uh, maybe we'll start with uh, with the American Marty. Uh, you want to give us some of your thoughts on, on that episode, Marty? Yeah, I found it a fascinating episode. Uh, what a guy. Uh, Ray Pennings is a, uh, a confident guy. Uh, as we spoke about earlier, you're able to feed him a question and he can uh, he can give you a, an opinion that is thoughtful, that is reasoned, and uh, he's not worried about being super brief. <laughs> but it was a, a very interesting article. He's obviously got a lot of uh, a very interesting uh, interview, a lot of experience in politics. Uh, I found the 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 survey of Canadian religious life particularly interesting. Um, I think he said something like 16% of Canadians would be religiously committed. So those would be people who attend church regularly who pray regularly who uh want their kids educated um in a christian manner um and a couple of other uh, um characteristics and 20 percent of canadians atheist and then 45 percent or something like that um spiritually uncertain i think is the label that they use um so quite a dramatic thing to think that only you know less than 20 percent 16 percent of canadians would be kind of in the same category as most Christians that we know, people who are totally committed to a Christian worldview and and live that way. Hmm. Totally, totally. That were yeah, they weren't surprising stats, if I'm honest. But it was it was still you know to see that was very stark for sure. Uh, Ty, some of your thoughts on the Carter's one? Yeah, even even to Marty's point, like I'm, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's hard to say because Ray might listen to this, but I going in, I was probably more skeptical about think tanks as a, as a method of getting things done, then, you know, as a conservative business kind of minded guy, like you want to see results every time you do something, but to the, to the surveys and stuff that Marty was, was, was talking about there, like to see or to have him explain how they put all those surveys together and the really thoughtful, um, the categories that they put all that stuff, it really, it makes you like appreciate all of what they do. <laughs> like, cause they really come up with, it's not like the world or secular view of religious versus not religious. It was like a really, like it was a Christian uh, 
view. Like they had like seven or eight points on that survey that was like, well, you might go to church, but do you pray? Do you do this? Do you do that? So that was actually just, it was just encouraging to, you know, to see a smart guy like that doing smart work. So, uh, but one other point that I, uh, it kind of intrigued me. It was kind of speculative on his part, but he, he mentioned in the, in the discussion about made uh, medical assistance in dying, they, you guys chatted about uh, some research that they did where they took um, a survey. This, well, they looked at grade results um, from religious or, or uh, yeah, different groups. So like Jewish kids did better in, in their maths, in their hard, like science kind of um, subjects when they were also taught in a Jewish school and, and likewise Christians and stuff. And he, he kind of speculated that it might be the same for health, health outcomes. And I'm curious to see if that would align in our, in our community, like in a reform community where you have, you know, the, the home and the church and school, you know, in, in kids' lives where those things are aligned, are, do they have better uh, education experiences, health experiences, like, or like, I imagine their lifestyle might, might move that needle a bit, but from the maid side of things, he mentioned like religious hospitals, which like, there's some in Hamilton, like mostly Catholic, I guess, like historically, but if, uh, if we can get these like health based or Christian based health organizations set up, um, it's definitely, that would to me is a decent like avenue to attack the made, uh, you know, controversial made things that are going on in politics. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if he's going to dig into that more, but it's, yeah. it's a good way to frame the issue too, because um, yeah, like with made being at the, at the forefront and also all the healthcare issues we've been having more recently in this country, you can make like, that's the example of the kind of research that gets done at Cardis that would not get done anywhere else. Making the point that, Hey, even if you're secular and you might not like religious institutions, look, if a Jewish kid goes to a Jewish school, it gets better outcomes. It's likely the same thing for health. If they do that study, you can make a very like non-religious secular case for, uh, for having those separated, uh, hospitals and, and health centers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but John, let's, let's flip to you for some of your thoughts. Yeah, that's both the reason I love what they do. And also, uh, uh sometimes a little bit, uh, worried how, how it'll be used. Um, he he it, it, he kind of made me think of Jordan Peterson in that what we love about Jordan Peterson is he says something that's flat out biblical, but then he says it with like the latest sociological study or or just some he's got all this stuff at his fingertips and he can just go, go, go. And uh, well, that's that's Ray Penny's. So you want to find out about education. Well, he can cite all this stuff. He's done the research. He's done the work. But essentially what he's doing is he's believing that what God said is good that God's ways work. And now I'm going to go get the, the stats to back it up. Um, I guess the only thing I'm a little bit worried about is like, let's not, let's not lose that connection between the two. Let's not pitch the stats. Let's be fully, uh, Hey, God's way works. And here are the stats. Um, we don't want to lose that connection because otherwise it's, uh, that's otherwise then what we have is Jordan Peterson. We have half full instead of the whole meal deal. Mm -hmm. for, for sure. No, that's a good point. But yeah, that's, I think it is just the practical way to, to get things done, at least in our country, in the context we talked about with a lack of religion in Canada, 
Um, but yeah, as long as that link isn't severed, uh, we, we should be yeah, okay. How do you get, how do you, um, stop the lack of religion? Some, somebody has to bring it up. Well, but it's also, if you have the stats, it's, it's kind of an onboarding or an avenue for a more secular skeptical person, uh, to see, Oh, Hey, there's actually some truth here. There's some merit here. I mean, that's what the Peterson effect has been for, for many thousands, maybe millions it's led people back to, to religion, back to Christianity specifically. So I, it's not without its, its merit, at least that approach. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. That's an interesting critique, but I, I still have a hard time like discounting all the research. Like he's citing, citing things where, you know, your he Curtis research is getting cited inside of like, I think it was something in the Alberta legislature that was there. So it's like the secular politicians, they have a, uh, an agenda that they're pushing and then they go and look for research and what the research they need is Christian research. So it, yeah, it's hard to say like, well, we never got the tip of the hat, like to, to Christianity or never, you never really got the recognition it needed, but it's also good stuff. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, on that point, you know, if, if the fireman comes in, rescues the person from the burning building and, and doesn't ask them whether they know Jesus, um, but they've saved somebody, they're doing their work, right? So if somebody takes those stats and, and doesn't even know where they came from, that's all fine and good. It, it brought us in the right direction. It's, but at the same time, um, we got to be overt about that because these people need to know why this is right. Why, why, why are those guys, why is Jordan Peterson always getting things right? Well, he's getting them right. Cause he's ripping off God. And, and we need to be the guys who are, are explaining that. Right. Mm-hmm. That seems like Curtis should do that as a face of the organization and their research should stand on its own. And, and well, they, they are known as a faith based group. So that connection is made to anybody who's, who's familiar with them. Hmm. It's also past then. Yeah. It's also a question (laughs) of like role though. Like would a think tank should a think tank be that role that what you're saying, John is like to, to let people know like, Hey, there's actually a a background to this. And these are biblical truths that we are just finding out by looking at the stats of, of how they uh, manifested life. Uh, Or is that more of a role for, for a magazine like RP or for the church in general? Um, Yeah. What is, what is the chief end of man? Glorify God. Sure. But, but there's very, there's so many avenues to glorify God. And one of those is is. researching his world. Right, right. So get those stats and 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 let them know that um, that you are God's child, and that's why you're so smart. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe I'm just a pragmatist, uh, Marty. Any any thoughts before we move on? Um, I I love that you asked about uh, the current political climate and uh, prospects for for leaders. I'm just going to tease that a little bit because uh, I thought that was great. Uh, a neat discussion uh, of. Uh, uh, his opinion on on each current leader. I thought that was that was fascinating, especially as an American, just not too familiar with all the uh, all the politicians being mentioned there. Um, I also liked his um, he had a some thoughts on on COVID, and he made one point that I thought was worth repeating. That was about um, what's government's role when it comes to a worship service. So if we gather together and we do so, um, let's say uh, abiding by current standards, whatever those were, um, then when we're seated for worship, 
then what happens during that worship service, how we sing, whether we sing with masks on, uh, if we have Lord's Supper or or if we uh, have a child baptized, none of that is the state's business or the province's business. I thought that was a helpful way to uh, to look at it, even though I didn't agree with all his thoughts about, about COVID. Um, that one in particular, I thought, yeah, there was there was some wisdom there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate his perspective. And also he's very active in his own local church too, and, and was a part of making some of those decisions. So it carries some weight for sure. What he said, uh, any other, any other thoughts guys before we move on? Good to go. All right. So we'll move on to the third episode that we are touching on for the feedback and whatnot and for our thoughts. And that was the episode that Tyler did with Matt Morrison talking about six day creation versus uh, evolution. Um, I'll just give a brief primer of my thoughts. Maybe I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good um, introduction episode. I think uh, there's certainly a lot of different rabbit holes you could go down in that regard. Um, but I thought Matt, uh, yeah, it gave it gave a reasonable overview of the case between the two. Um, and there's lots more areas to, to explore on this topic. So I'd be interested to know what you guys thought. Maybe we'll go to, uh, to John first on this one. Yeah. I, I uh, almost just want to, pitch sort of ways to expand off of it. He referenced uh, John Stanford at one point, not by name, but by uh, the genetic studies that he's doing about how, how we're not long for this earth. Um, your kids are born with a hundred more genetic errors than, than you had. Um, and actually that just keeps going. So we're, we are rusting out as, is uh, an important point. We, the very opposite of evolution. So on, on our piece website, we have John Sanford's piece on that. And, uh, the, this brought me back again to, um, you were talking about how to pitch this to, to, well, even Christians and non-Christians, how do you bring this up? And I, I am wondering if God's kind of making it easier for us nowadays to point out that there's ideology behind science, because all you have to do is bring up, you know, boys are boys, girls are girls, and that there are some very smart people with lots of letters behind their name that don't even get that right. And and, and what's blinding them. Um, so just the idea that you can be blinded by your ideology is is uh, God's making it more um we can introduce that a lot easier. So there, there's a couple articles on RP's website in particular that I thought might be of interest. And one was uh, Margaret Helder's wrong questions lead to wrong answers. Because again, you guys were t- touching on materialism. If you uh, rule out God from the start, I'm not going to see anything as having evidence by uh, the supernatural. I had a friend, uh, a PhD scientist. He said, you don't do science if you include the option that something might have been miraculous. Well, okay, so you're going to rule out the supernatural from the start, and now you're going to say, how did life begin? Well, no wonder you're going to get weird answers. Um, Margaret Helder's article has an illustration of square watermelons. How did those come to be? Well, let's rule out any intelligent design and come up with an answer. You can come out with some really creative ones, but they'd be wrong because they're put in a box and they're grown that way, see-through box and grown that way. If you rule out intelligent design from the start, you get wrong answers. So hers is a wonderful article on that point. And then just there's so many uh, videos on the site. If you go to reformperspective.ca slash 100, you get to all sorts of documentaries, including many free ones about creation and evolution. So it's really worth checking out. Perfect. Thanks, John. Uh, Marty. 
Yeah. Um, I thought it was, uh, I was really impressed by, by Matt. Uh, here's a layman. Uh, I think he said he preaches part-time, but, but clearly he's not a scientist. And then I think he said he spent a thousand hours studying this topic. Um, that's inspiring to me that uh, the fact that, uh, somebody who is not a scientist can, uh, can, uh, read great, great, uh, literature can, can look at all kinds of, uh, statistics and the latest science to, uh, to, to work with, to have good arguments ready at your, at your fingertip to talk to those who believe in evolution. Um, so I found that very inspiring. I thought, wow, that's, that's something anybody can do. So, um, it was a bit of a challenge to me. Uh, um, a long time ago, I started getting, uh, in addition to reform perspective, uh, creation magazine, uh, it's by the folks at answers in Genesis. Um, there are such great resources available for Christians who, um, you want to know about, you know, what's a logical case we can make for the fact that dinosaurs probably lived, probably were on the ark and probably died out after that time period. Um, wonderful material that's all available. So I was personally inspired by, by Matt's uh, research to say, hey, I, I should dig into this more as well and have more of those um, more of those statistics and arguments ready at my fingertips and in my brain rather than having to, to look them up. So hats off to Matt. Yeah, for sure. There's there's so much out there that we can we can get into. And yeah, if we follow some of the links that, that John just mentioned as well, lots of ways to educate yourself. Uh, Ty, what was yeah your biggest takeaway from from doing that interview? Yeah, since I've had uh, since that episode, I've had a couple of discussions with a few different people um, about different avenues to to take this conversation to. After um, I'm I'm really interested in evolution. In yeah, like I think it's we don't talk about it as much as we should. We I think we used to, or I used to, anyways, as a young person because it's an easy one for a you know a themed young people's night or something like that. Um, you know that's the first thing that everyone says, but, um, yeah, I think a discussion could be had around, um, as Christians, what is, is there any debate that can be had within a Christian community or, or are we set on like, I mean, the, I mean, the most stark contract would contrast would be theistic evolution versus six day creation. So like, is there any, wiggle room in there or is there like uh any any yeah any conversation that we could have or are we kind of you know locked in um and the other thing would be the approach i think we touched on that a little bit but the approach like how do we approach it from uh, let's be as objective as we can about the science and then see what that says about the bible do we take the bible as fact um learn as much as we can about our world in the created order. And then we layer science over that. Cause even in today's like John alluded to that, like what science can you trust anymore? Science went into quotations in the last three years. So it's like in an evolution, somehow in that, in my mind, that's always kind of been the case. It's like I, when you hear some discovery from, you know, half a million years ago, it's like, well, is the discovery wrong or did they come at it wrong? Or was it like, is this just a fraud investigation from the beginning? Like, and it's, there's no way to know without, you know, doing that primary research yourself. So it's, um, yeah, I think there's a lot more conversations that can be had and definitely more experts, like scientific experts that we could engage with probably on this. Yeah. The, the presuppositions for the scientists who come to do the research and also like John mentioned, the questions that they ask, if you start with the wrong questions or the incorrect presuppositions, then you can definitely take you down some, some interesting and some incorrect roads, but yeah, I would be super interested to do a, an episode in the future comparing 
theistic evolution versus uh, six-day creationism. Because, yeah, I, I just don't know enough. I mean, and it would be interesting to find out. I don't know if you have any suggestions or, or more resources specifically on that topic, uh, John. Yeah, we, we have materials on uh, old, old creation. The cost of an old creation, I think, is what it's called. Um, you start, was there... Was there um, sin and death before the fall is, is the operative question. And I will say, I think it kind of rules it out. Um, I'll also encourage, this was kind of the issue that hit me the most when I went to university because all the smartest people in the room held to it. And here I come in, I'm not this cocky guy who thinks they're all a bunch of dweebs. I can tell they're much smarter than I am. And yet I'm, I'm saying they're wrong. So who am I? Um, but I guess I would encourage people to do that thousand hours or do, do the 10 hours, whatever, just keep digging because you can trust God. You can trust that um, he's not throwing curveballs. Um, dig deeper. You'll find out more truths. I think even in, even in something as simple as the cell, it's a wonder. It's, it's a joy to dig into this stuff and you start finding out, the levels of complexity, I'm convinced that we will never run out of discoveries as we dig further down because we're finding out, okay, you can read DNA this way. Oh, it gives you a different instruction when you read this way. And it gives you a different instruction when you take this bit and a different one when you do that. And it has highways and it has machines and it's, it's, it's astonishing. I will, I will pitch um, one book just on that front. Um, he mentioned, Matt mentioned uh, the Mount Improbable. And so there's a book, The Stairway uh, to Life, and what these guys do. So the analogy that uh, Dawkins used was when you go up, you go and see how do we get life? And it looks like an impossible mountain to uh, to scale. Well, then you go behind the mountain and then there's just a whole bunch of steps and it's really easy to do. OK, well, what these guys are saying is, we'll 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 break down the steps. We'll go on that stairway. And it turns out every step is a mountain probable and we'll grant. And then they take each step one by one. And they say, okay, well, it turns out by secular standards, it's impossible. Now we'll just grant that it happened and we'll go to the next step. Oh, that one's impossible too. And we'll we'll just pretend that happened too. Now we'll go to the next. So these guys make a, a astonishing presentation. It, it, it's so much hokum. It's so dig deep, keep digging, and uh you'll find out how just how astonishing um we we are wonderfully made. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, an encouraging note to end on, I think. Uh, speaking of digging deep, I know Marty's been digging deep into the research of uh, Canadians moving south side to uh, to the state. So do you want to give us uh, the lowdown on what's going on, what what trends you're seeing there, Marty? Yeah, you bet. Uh, this was a really fun article. Um, I interviewed uh, three different uh, family members of uh, families, extended families that have moved from Canada to the U.S., so I talked to Brian and Leanne Grimm, or talked to Brian. So they're from uh, BC and moved to South Dakota. And um, a lot of the, their decision process was made during COVID. And they looked south and saw the uh, the increased freedom that people had in South Dakota and Florida and other places. And they said, we're getting out of here. And so uh, Brian took a job in, uh, in South Dakota, um, small town. I think it's uh, uh, Sioux Center. Uh, Anyhow, fascinating. And uh, they are as happy as can be. They, they bought a house. Um, he's got a got a great job and uh, no regrets at all. Uh, talked to uh, Nate and Victoria Van Andel. Uh, they're a couple from Ontario. 
who moved to uh, to Tennessee. Also, I think COVID was probably a big part of their decision-making process, but also just um, they've always loved the U.S. and uh, um, the economic opportunities that were that were down there. And, and the third couple I spoke with was Gary and Cindy Wieska, also from uh, Ontario, a landscape supply company, I think, uh, in southern Ontario, and found a similar business that they, that they bought in Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, in the past... I think past year, 18 months, um, four of their children have all moved south as well. So different parts of uh, the East, East Coast, mostly. Um, so the article is not trying to say, hey, everybody needs to get out of Canada. Boy, you know, everything's better down here. Tries to look at, well, what are the reasons that people are doing this? And is it really better to, to make a trek like that? Um, so I tried to look at the, uh, you know, is it really more free? in the states what are the political trends that we're seeing you know are you jumping out of the frying pan but into the fire uh some of the uh, midterm elections gave us conservatives down here pause with some of the directions um also looked at things like um uh, church community uh, find, finding a good church so you're, you're moving to a new place and kind of uh, we have such wonderful uh church communities reformed church communities in canada um, sometimes moving to um, a much smaller church federation or a much smaller congregation, it's just good to be aware of the things that you're that you might be giving up, and and that might include um, the kind of school societies that we're that we're used to, mature, fairly large school societies with people of similar minds. Um, sometimes that's not quickly available in uh, in the U.S. Um, so just a, a bunch of um, uh, just kind of a chance for folks to take a second thought about it. Is it really um, better to be south of the border or, um, you know, is it, is it uh, better to bloom where you're planted and uh, make the best of what's going on around you, be salt and light where you, uh, where you are. Um, John and I both have made the decision to be on this side of the border. So we're, we're both a little biased. So I try not to let that come through in the article too much. Um, but I do think that for entrepreneurs, especially there are some, there are wonderful opportunities, uh, here south of the, uh, south of the line. So. I'll throw it back to you. Oh, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. So you didn't really take an opinion in the article though. You just kind of laid out the pros and the cons. You want to go into some of uh, either one of those, the pros or the cons. Sure. Um, I mean, one, one big factor is just the, can you do it? Um, everyone I spoke to indicated that uh, you need a good immigration attorney. So uh, my oldest son is married to a Canadian. They're living in uh, in BC, um, and he is working on on moving south with his uh, his new his dear wife. Um, it's tough to do it on your own. Uh, so every single one of the people I mentioned or that I interviewed said, "Get yourself a good immigration attorney who knows the uh, the ins and outs, and um, it might cost you a fair bit of money, but they'll be able to navigate a lot of the uh, the headwaters." So that's that's maybe one thing. Um, I found the discussion of where what kind of church to join uh, a, a very interesting topic. Um, the the availability of of uh, YouTube and uh, live streaming has made that process a lot further. Until you arrive at a church, you don't really know what the community's like, um, and you won't get that through. Uh, through through YouTube or live stream, but you'll at least get a flavor of what what is that church community like? Is the preaching faithful and and biblical? So we do have a lot more resources than we might have uh, you know thirty years ago to find out what kind of a place we're we're going to. Mm-hmm. Have you guys noticed a trend from just into Washington State where you guys are from BC? 
Um, I think most Canadians who are looking to move south don't think about Washington first because John and I live in a very conservative pocket of, of Washington, but overall it's a pretty, a pretty left-leaning state. So if you're going to move, you know, South Dakota, Florida, uh, Tennessee, those places make a lot of sense. Um, economically, Washington is fantastic. It's a, it's a relatively friendly business uh, um, community and uh, taxes are very low. So there are some real good things. We think Linden's fantastic, but um, it's not the, on the, the first uh, stop for most of our uh, BC friends. Uh, makes sense. Any uh, questions for Marty from you guys? Yeah. What I'm just curious, maybe I'll throw it to all you guys. What do you think about um, I've he- heard uh, I think it was Aaron rock on one of his podcasts. We had him on our, our podcast too. And, and he was talking about creating, you know, kind of small communities, which we're as reformed people, especially in Canada, we're good at, like we have small, uh, we have, well, small, we have church communities, but we also have school community. We, a lot of us work for each other, you know, in this kind of, this kind of thing, like we're kind of, we're kind of, yeah, not recession proofing ourselves, but like, we're like, we're kind of putting up a, a barrier to the world, but do you find like when, with these discussions that when people are moving to the States or whatever, um, is it, is it wise to move to one of those conservative like places like Tennessee or Florida where they're, you know, seem to be holding out with their conservative values and to kind of create a stronghold there? Or do you think it would be, you know, or is it kind of a moot point? Like, do you just move somewhere and, and, and shine a light and, you know, that's, that's about all we can do. I mean, that's all we can do anyway, but. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think there is an idea you can, uh, I heard the expression called vote with your feet. If you move to a place where your vote might actually count, like basically I, I don't think I've ever been anywhere where it was close to my vote tipping anything. Um, so, but what if you move to a place that's, you know, mostly conservative and could use a few more people to, to bring some light and heat or, or light and uh, truth, um, that might be one more reason to move there. And if it's hardcore, um, I think there'd be a different answer if you're a, a single guy willing to go somewhere and contend versus uh, somebody with a family, because man, do I feel blessed to live in Linden with my family. Um, But when I was a younger guy to live in Edmonton, to be able to do all sorts of political campaigns there, that was where the action was. So different, different times in your life. That's a good way to look at. Go ahead, Marty, if you had something to say there. Um, I mean, you're asking the wrong guys, right? Cause John and I both made that call to, uh, but, um, uh, I think it's, um, Mark Penninga wrote an editorial for the next reform perspective about this issue. Uh, and he, he said something very thoughtful. He said, if you, um, desire to do something and wise people around you encourage you to do it, then you're going to hear from others that it's not the right thing to do, but, um, listen to wise counselors and, uh, the Lord will be with you if you do things in a, in a prayerful, thoughtful thoughtful manner. So there's not really a a wrong decision, but, um, you know, do so not just entirely on your own. Talk, talk to other people about, about, especially people that you, that you respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. We could probably put a lid on that for now. So thanks for that, Marty. Appreciate it. That's uh, some interesting uh, discussion on the cool topic and uh, people should definitely check out the article in uh, one of the upcoming editions of RP. Uh, okay, we'll move over to John now. And John's going to tell us about the 52 and 52 
book uh, reading contest that he's been doing. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, what have you guys been up to and who have you been doing it with? Yeah, it, it, it has been a lot of fun. At the beginning of the year, Andre Schutten, um, a lawyer working for ARPA Canada, issued a challenge um, and uh, pastor, missionary Jim Whittaving picked it up. So did I. Uh, so we had a, a lawyer, an editor and a missionary each trying to read 52 books over the course of 2022. Um, as it stands now, Jim has won. He's finished 52. I'm, I'm at 49. I will I will make it. Um, uh, Andre is at 42, which is, I think, a new record for him. Um, so that's awesome. He also wrote a book during this year. So I think that should probably count for 10, you know, so yeah. <laughs> um, he also has a few weeks to go. And I know that he uh, will often write, uh, he'll often read a few and then write a batch. So I think he, I think he still stands a shot, but what's been real fun about it is to read their reviews. Uh, I've enjoyed the books I've been reading, but you can only read so many. We're, we're talking about the thousand hours. Okay, how many of those thousand hours are spent, you know, scrolling through the phone? Uh, how many of them can be spent on really good books? Well, don't waste your time on the lousy books. Don't waste your time on just, oh, I put this up because it's lying around somewhere. No, there are some really important books to be um, accessed, to, to be understood. Somebody said once uh, that you're, uh, it might have been Peterson, that you're a combination of like the five people you hang out with the most. And I, I think there's something to that. And I think it's also transferable to like the last 10 books you've read. Um, they, they'll have the last 10 meaty books you've read, maybe. Um, they'll have an impact on on your thinking. So you want to um, you want to have that encouragement from these these friends paper from, from these authors. But you also want to be sure of who you're picking or, or and with this list, I think Jim and and. Myself as well, but Andre, we show not just what to read, but also a little bit just how to read. What did we get out of these? Um, what what uh, did we have to throw out? Because a lot of these are Christian, but a lot of these were not. Jim Wittavine would probably focus mostly on secular sources. He also wrote a book this year. So the guy, he read 52. <laughs> he wrote a book. It's a great book. It's coming out next year. I think it's called How in the World Did We Get Here? And um, so he's got stuff on big tech, big government, uh, big pharmacy. And, you know, what unites them all is they all think, um, all these forces think they know how to do things best. And they all want power to do it. So they have a lot of divergent um, goals, but all of them involve um, bringing power to themselves. So, um, so he's he's had a lot of those kind of books. Andre and me had a, a few more kids books in our in our mix, just a few, because um, we also would mock each other if we um, threw in too many kid books. Uh, so. I threw in a couple of comics, which <laughs> I got heat for, but they're like three hundred page comics. So, um, yeah, basically, if you're if you're thinking of doing a fun challenge with some friends, I think you should check this out. It's reformperspective.ca slash 52. And we'll have some some suggestions for you to consider taking it up for this year. OK, interesting. So I have two takeaways from that. One is that uh, it seems like ministers have the most time on their hands. So that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they could do 52 and, and write a book. But no, that's that's incredible. 
And then uh, that also sounds like a good interview uh, opportunity for Real Talk in, in the new year. Oh, yeah. So looking forward to that discussion because that's, yeah, he's got his, his finger on the pulse for sure. Um, any any thoughts from from Ty or Marty on, on anything John said there? That's I would love to do two in 52. So <laughs> I think good on you for getting past four, you know? <laughs> you know, audiobooks are a wonderful thing. So maybe that's yeah, true. I do, I do a few of those, but yeah. 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 I have a, I have a, well, not to your scale, John, but I have a similar competition going with my wife trying to read 20, 24 in a year, two books a month. So we both achieved it this year, which was kind of cool. So uh, she'll be happy. I mentioned that on the podcast. So I just had to squeeze that in there. But uh, anyways, uh, okay. This has been a fantastic show. Uh, I think we try to keep it short, but once again, it is difficult to do with so many uh, fantastic participants and, and things to say. Um, but yeah, this has been, uh, this has been the real talk roundup. It's been a fun year for real talk 2022. We've uh, been able to do a lot uh, more interview episodes than we have in past years. And, uh, the viewership is growing. You guys are engaged. You guys care. And, uh, and we're covering issues that are important and, and having real and meaningful conversations. So we just want to thank you all for listening throughout uh, this past year and, and for longer for many of you as well. We're excited to see what lies ahead for us in 2023, and we'll continue to bring you important conversations on uh, meaningful and, and interesting topics. So, yeah, from the whole team, uh, we'll sign off for now, and we'll uh, catch you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show. If you want to send us your feedback, and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we've got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfluer, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamiga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.